What's up, guys? Welcome to the Dude Critics Podcast, a podcast in which both of us sit down each week and watch movies of varying genres and then talk about them, possibly inspiring you to watch the movies we recommend. We start every episode with a spoiler-free review and a rating for those who have not seen the film. And after you listen to us and decide to watch it, you can come back for the second half and get our in-depth thoughts and reactions. Before we get into discussion this week, um, I want to clarify, I made a pretty big mistake. I said that Avatar's box office was $7.8 billion. I don't know where. I, I just completely read the number wrong. It's $2.8 billion, not $7.8. <laughs> and then... Uh, if you guys are interested, we're thinking about doing a Oscar nominations bonus episode. Probably won't be as long, but if you're interested in that, it should be out in the next couple weeks. Uh, this week we watched Django Unchained, which is actually Django Unchained because the D is silent, hillbilly. Uh, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, my guy. Uh, came out in 2012, the Rotten Tim- the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis for this film is two years before the Civil War. Django, Jamie Foxx, a slave, finds himself accompanying an unorthodox German bounty hunter named Dr. King Schultz, Christoph Waltz, uh, on a mission to capture the vicious Brittle Brothers. Their mission successful, Schultz frees Django, and together they hunt down the South's most wanted criminals. Their travels take them to the infamous plantation of shady Calvin Candy, Leonardo DiCaprio, where Django's long-lost wife, Carrie Washington, is still a slave. Its Rotten Tomatoes score is an 87%, with an audience score of 91%. Uh, This film won two Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor for Christoph Waltz and Best Original Screenplay by Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino! The man himself. Now, I want to clarify. I know there's some big Tarantino uh, fans out there, and we're not going to get everything. We love the man. We have not seen all his movies yet. We hope to win. Yet. Yet. I want to. That's Uh, what we're doing. We're watching every Tarantino movie. I don't care. We got to. He's, He's one of the best, if not the best, of his generation. Um, And I... He's only making 10 movies, so I think he's on his ninth. So the next movie he releases, I believe, will be his last, which is kind of I hope not. He just says, fuck that, and keeps going, because they're all so good. Yeah, no, I mean, as far as I know, they're all, they all should, all the ones I've seen have been good, and they're not, I haven't seen his earlier stuff yet. But anyway, let's get into Django. So it's a... It's a western movie. It's so good. You know what I you know what I loved about how Tarantino did this movie? It's very like like you know the old westerns like John Wayne and that kind of style. Yeah, he he based it off of uh macaroni westerns from the 60s. Like it's 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 perfect the way the text on the screen is um the uh the the whip the whip camera pans. Yeah. I think that's what they're called, where the camera just whips onto somebody's face or it whips around. And it goes and makes that noise, that little. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's awesome, dude. And also, it's dude, the a... music choice in this movie. Oh, that's another thing. Like, I know, like Quentin Tarantino is known for his love of music, and he, 
I'm pretty sure I should have done my research before. I'm pretty sure he handpicks all the uh, all the songs in all of his movies. Besides the score, most of his movies only have like handpicked music, and it's not scored. But this this had some scoring, and it had all of his handpicked songs. So. Well, I mean, they ad libbed uh, Jamie Fox Django saying, "I like the way you die, boy." Into one of the yeah. songs. That was so hard. Yeah, yeah, it was hard. So uh, the movie starts out, and Django is being transported. He's a he's a slave. It is based before the Civil War. Um, Jamie Fox does an incredible job of playing a man with one purpose, and that is to rescue his wife, and really kind of seek revenge not just for himself but for all slaves and it, it's awesome like it it feels so good like the, it's so like this movie is so satisfying in the way that he just enacts revenge for everybody yeah dude i mean like he may be ruthless cuz that opening scene man like it, it, it like gives you like chills, like the chills of like, oh, hey man, like relax. And he's so like yeah. composed about everything. Yeah. Which is crazy because to my knowledge, this is one of the, this is one of the only movies that truly depicts slavery as close. To reality as it was like it it a lot of films and even like in the school they glance over how horrific that period in American history is and this movie really because it's Tarantino it really embodies the gruesomeness and just the hellish react like it's you 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 tend to forget about that it makes you and there was only like all yeah. the or most of almost all the white people in that movie. Yeah, it's bad, dude. Except for except for uh Schultz. He's the only good white person in that movie. Yeah. Like even even uh Candy's sister, like you're like, okay, she's kinda good, and then it's just her subtle racism. Like she's she wants to I mean, no, she, I can't say that. I'm on. she she's she's still outwardly racist, but it's it's more subtle. Than all the other it's less of a white characters. It's but, less of a violent racism and more of like a it's, hey, yeah. you know I'm better than you. And yeah, exactly. Like you just and, have to be cool with it because my brother will cut your balls off. Um but if if you're looking for just the ultimate revenge movie that gives you that satisfying ending um then i would i would recommend django and yeah Jane. this is this completely differs from uh the movie we watched last week because this has the happy ending that you want you know um brain man yeah. didn't really have that fairy tale ending that happily ever after uh it, you kind of had to think about the ending and be like well it worked out the way it need needed to work out this one just gave you yeah. everything you wanted yeah and i love how 
I love how Tarantino isn't scared because the movie's unnecessarily long, but I love how just you could tell that he had so many ideas for just badass action sequences and dialogue and just scenes he wanted to put in the movie. And he wasn't scared to cut those out. And he he put them in because yeah. he was like, it doesn't need to be in the movie, but you know, I'm I'm Quentin Tarantino and I'm going to put in these scenes because <laughs> it's worth it in my and opinion. And he so. can do that because it was all entertaining. Like, yeah, like it's, 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 it's almost a three hour movie and you're never, you're never bored. It's, it's almost constant action, constant dialogue and storytelling. The story, the storytelling is off the charts. Okay. Um, Real quick, am I on crack, or did they not use, like, muskets in the Civil War? No, they used, they used muskets. That's what they, uh, they did the, um, I forgot what it's called. Why was it? Where, where you lined up on either side, and then you shot, and the other side would shoot. Why is everybody not just, why are they not all carrying, like, r- bullets, like, those guns were developed at that time. I don't know. I I did a little bit of research. This is my second time watching it. I think I watched it. I watched it at the beginning of quarantine. I think because I was bored and I just I binge watched a bunch of Netflix stuff, and uh, I did some research. And there's a little bit of uh, historical inaccuracy, um, like this, and. Lubbock, Texas didn't exist till after the Civil War. Um, so I don't I don't know how accurate the uh the guns are. It's it's depiction of slavery, I would say, is as close to accurate as you can get. Yeah. Um I just I was I was so confused because Tarantino's even quote is I didn't even realize because like while watching the movie, I thought it was like after the um civil war and that's why it was okay i kind of understood everything on the second uh watch but i i never i I was like looking is this your second yeah this is my second time like i never thought about the fact that like i thought they were using like muskets and stuff in the civil war but they got like rifles and revolvers and stuff maybe they had those they, i don't know they, i'm not a i mean they probably had not a history i'm buff. not yeah i'm not a i'm not a i'm a history buff but i'm not a civil i need to get more into the civil war um i'm sure they had rifles uh i think they did use rifles in the civil war i'm not sure anyway um gonna say something i completely forgot yeah we got we got a little off topic there back to the movie um back to the movie um general i love how many i love how many big name actors that tarantino can bring into his films and he also we we did christopher nolan our first episode and he he tends to use his favorite actors and uh tarantino seems to do the same thing Um, sam jackson's been in at least three of his movies um Leo Leo is in this and he's in uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the newest film. I mean 
all the acting. I think that's everybody. Is again, we're we're going back to the acting. We we bragged and we talked about the acting in Rain Man. Sorry, sorry. You have a stroke. Are you good, bro? What's up? <laughs> start. Christoph Waltz is in. He's he's the bad guy in Inglorious Bastards. Ah. Yeah, I we talked about that before we yeah, even watched sorry. it too. But yeah, the acting yeah. in this movie anyway. just phenomenal. Again. He he won a best supporting actor for it. Yeah. I mean Leo's amazing writing again. You know, I'm trying to I can't really give um you know situations that their acting was just incredible, but Leo, uh Sam L. Jackson, Jamie Foxx, everyone. Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> because he's in all of his movies. If he, if you know people don't already know that, but of course he had to put himself in this movie, and it's maybe the best scene Cameos. in the whole movie. <laughs> it's so good; it makes me giggle. He's Australian, man. He's Australian. Uh, and my uh. Phenomenal. Um, so I think it's incredible. He he writes and directs all of his films. That's pretty impressive. So very heads odd type of guy. No, going going back to Leo. I was gonna, I was going to say something about Leo again. Uh, just the fact that he can play such an evil character. And complete, like he completely changed his voice. Like he didn't even sound like Leo. Yeah. I, I relate it to uh, Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump, where like when he screams, you can kind of hear that yeah. Leo come out. And when you when Tom Hanks screams in Forrest Gump, you can kind of hear that Tom come out. But other than that, you're like, uh, I'm watching a completely different person. I mean, this is an incredible perform- performance. Um, but as far as the general plot of the movie goes, I always felt like this was a very like John Wick type movie where it's like, Hey, watch Django and see how many people he can kill. (laughs) But like the plot also is so satisfying. It's, it's such a, you know, like it, it, it's not even a political movie, you know, like, yeah, as normally, you know, you'd see a, a, a movie like this and you think, oh, black versus white. But that's not what it is at all. It's just a perfect representation of what was happening in that time period. Yeah. It's so satisfying. And I know, I mean, obviously racism still exists, but. As someone who isn't racist, uh, <laughs> it's it's so satisfying to seeing all these white supremacist racist bastards get killed for for three hours. I mean, like, mercilessly. That's that's mercilessly what I love. Violent love about Schultz's like the character of Schultz because he's such a gentleman and so composed, like about his yeah. killing. Like Django's very aggressive. And you know he's very skilled, but which makes sense. He has he's very aggressive and angry with the way that he fights. But 
Schultz is just like, whatever, you know, we just, I'm doing yeah. this for money. No, and I, I love how, you know, he could have gone the route of Schultz being sort of a white savior and rescuing Django. But to me, I interpret it more as he's, he's a mentor to Django. He's not his savior. Django has to save himself. And that, that later on in the movie that pays off, but he's never the hero. He's just, even though he's, he's, he recruits Django. He's not the main character. No. And I want to get, I want to get into that when we get into the, um, spoiler section of the podcast, because I, I love his character, you know? I love yeah. who he is, how he goes about things. Yeah. Like it's everything. It's the thing that like you wouldn't actually want to be that person like in the real world. But if you're like, man, if I could travel back to the West, I would so be that guy. Be a German dentist. I would so be a German dentist who murders people without remorse. Yeah. I I love I love the dialogue. I love the acting. And then the cinematography again, dude, just it, he, he succeeded on making a macaroni Western. Yeah. And that's, that's what he did. Modern day. So I'm going to make this movie modern day macaroni Western with rap music in the background. <laughs> the <And> whole movie. <laughs> it, it perfectly fits is the thing. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, what? But then it, it completely fits and it completely makes sense. And it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a but uh, it's a representative. It's a representation of who Django is. He's very, very hard, very asserting. He's not like this Mozart, you know, type of guy. He's very like in it. He's very sharp. This is a good word to describe him as. You gonna hear some uh, interesting trivia before we roll it over? I'm down. The uh, the Django. Intro music is the music used in the original uh, Django movie. <laughs> that's that's pretty sick. Which I believe, which I believe is a uh, song. It's a man. I'm rap gunning all over. You got place. it. I believe Django. I believe Django was a uh, a macaroni western from the sixties. That's pretty cool fun fact for you a little fun fact before we die in so all right um ready to get into this are you ready to roll section? it over i'm ready are you, look at that we're on we're just on the same wavelength right now we're getting better <laughs> every every week <laughs> we're getting better but yeah all right let's roll it over uh we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with the spoiler section of the podcast and we're back um so the first thing I want to talk about is how, how uh, Schultz wasn't, you know, the white savior who saved Django and how Tarantino intentionally didn't make him out to be that because the first scene, like the very first scene of the movie, when he recruits Django, he says, or he didn't say he is literally just recruiting him, get his bounty, and then he's like, okay, you're free. Go do you. Like he he doesn't recruit Django to to teach him anything or 
you know, you turn him into a bounty hunter. He just wants Django to point out the bounty that he's looking for because Django knows who they are and he wants to kill him and then send Django on his way. He, he doesn't, he's not yeah. like looking to save and, him. He's literally just like, I need you for this. And then we're yeah. done. And the, and the thing is he never, I mean, he gives Django a horse and he gives him a gun. Like Django could have left at any time. Django could have killed him and then walked away. Yeah. Like, at the but, time, Schultz was more it, skilled, so he probably just would have blown Django away. But yeah, but what's what's even cooler is like Schultz is such a like good person deep down that after after that bounty's over, uh, he's he realizes that Django has a wife and he wants to go save him instead of being like, okay, send him on your way. He's actually concerned for Django's well being. Yeah. And he he decide he makes the decision to help him, which is a pretty strong decision considering the time and what that means. So what always what made me sad a lot in this movie was dude, the poor fucking horses, man. <laughs> Every single time oh my God. they would like when he blew that horse's brains out in the very in the very, yeah, the very opening. I was like, Man, you didn't have to do that. Why, the horse didn't do anything, bro. I felt so bad for it. I just like kept look like thinking about Red Dead Redemption. Like it's my horse. I was like, I'd feel so bad. Yeah, I'd be so pissed off. And like when they blew the Dude, horses I, up on the raid, like yeah. I was so sad. I was like, man, they didn't do anything. Dude, horses dying or like just the sound they make is so it's so depressing. It's so awful. Even like when he pulled the. Uh, when he pulled the guy off his horse uh, when they were at Candyland or going to Candyland and the horse just made the worst sound. I was like, oh my yeah. god. And did you see the like the first title card in the credits is no horses were harmed in the making of this movie? Bro, how? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, I mean, it's not the it's the 21st century like they have to make it safe now because people are going to get upset about that. And obviously, I mean, why wouldn't you? It's a beautiful animal. But, but like back in like the 50s and 60s, like animals died in movies like all the time. And it was really sad. But thankfully now we have ways to protect them. So that's yeah. good. I was I was for sure getting like more sad that the horses were dying than like people. Like, I don't know what that yeah, is. I mean, nobody. <laughs> but like people would die in this movie. Well, no, like, the, oh, whatever. The one that. The death that really affected me was D'Artagnan. Mm-hmm. That that was that got to me, dude. And then that's jumping ahead. I'll I'll, I'll get to that later. But dude, and then I love I love how he makes a mockery of the KKK. This is yeah. This is I was literally gonna say that this is a funny movie. Like it's it's yeah. a comedy too. It's yeah, it's a comedy in that it makes you it makes you see how pointless the worldview of white supremacy is. Like it has all these dumb ways to defend white supremacy like uh one of the brutal brothers is quoting the Bible while he's about to whip um little Jordy, I think is what what little Jody what her name was. Yeah, little Jody is what her name was. And then uh Calvin uses some bullshit 
science that I don't think makes any sense whatsoever. But yeah, some with the skull. Yeah, that's like, what it was. The skull, skull, like it's creativity or whatever. Something like that. I don't know. But uh Yeah, I don't think that's true at all, but what do you think the uh the symbolism of his of Django's colorful outfit was when he was able to buy his own his own costume? So what Schultz called it. See, I thought that was um, Calvin Candy's clothes. No, 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 no. When, uh, when he first, when they were oh, going to, yeah, I know what you're going mean. to Tennessee. I think that was Django saying, "All my life, I've never worn anything but hand rags, and now I'm gonna find." Because he doesn't know what class is and that's not a diss to Django that's just saying he's never you know he's gonna um, buy the richest looking clothes that yeah he's gonna get just the fanciest thing that he thinks would be fancy yeah you know it'd be like sending an uh, ignorant American to uh, England and saying you're going to the to the castle. You're going to meet the queen. You got to get all dolled up and they dress like they were in the Renaissance. You know? Yeah. Like he doesn't really know what class is, but he he's like, I can look rich now. I can be what I've never gotten to be. So I'm just going to get the fanciest looking thing I can. Um, dude, the uh, the symbolism of the Broomhilda story. Uh, I wrote this down. I said, so. Candy is the dragon that Broomhilda's father uh, put there to protect her. Not protect mm-hmm. her, but uh, keep any, keep her from escaping. And then the hellfire that he surrounded the mountain with is the American South. Dude, you want to know what I wrote down in my notes regarding that? What? The same thing? What a fucking coincidence. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> I, it was such like, like, yo, this is exactly like you. And yeah. it, it was like, you're Sie- like, Siegfried. What a coincidence, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe that story. They have the same name, and the story is almost exactly the same as Django's predicament. It's crazy. Wild. It's wild. Wow, bro. What a coincidence. It's almost like this was like written and planned like a movie yeah, for that purpose. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but no, I thought I thought it was really cool how Schultz was like as a as a decent German. And I have to I have to help Sieg, a real life Siegfried rescue from Hilda. I thought that was yeah. really cool. Which I I mean, obviously, he would have done it either way just because he's a good person because <laughs> I mean, he, like I said, he he kills with class almost, where every single one of his kills is clean. He doesn't torture, like Django, I mean. Django kills out of hate. He blew that guy's balls off. He shot him in the balls. Also, uh, what a, I, I don't know any other movie that does a better job of introducing such an evil character as Andy's introduction. Yeah. Literally the, just the fighting them. the fighting scene. Dude, first time I watched this, I almost like had to turn it off. I was like, oh my God. Like I didn't even know 
this was a thing that happened. I don't know how historically accurate the fighting uh, trade was, but I mean, surely some of that happened. Hold that dude's eyes out. That was the part that like, and then he then he tosses him a hammer. Yeah, he's just like finish it. I mean, I just love the the be sure to get the marshal, or was it the sheriff or the marshal he wanted? Yeah, he goes be sure to get the sheriff, not the marshal. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he goes now get the marshal. <laughs> now get the marshal. I mean, what a what a great um. What a great movie. Thank honestly. I think it's crazy to think about how something as simple as the sight of Django on a horse threatens the power complex of all these white people in yeah. the South. Just something like that just shows you something like I feel like at a certain point slavery was more of a it was more of a power I mean I think I I'm recording myself. It was more of a power complex than anything. And and, and I mean, that just became so ingrained. Like candy, it was almost like he didn't hate, you know, black people. He just cuz uh you know, he had Samuel Jackson, what's his name? Um even at his side, you know, he yeah. had him like no, right what, there. It was just like as long so as he angry. knew. Yeah. As long as he knew he was in charge. That's what made me yeah. so... One of the things that made me just so angry was Candy was so close. Not really at all. I shouldn't say so close. He was... Like, he said he grew up seeing the faces of slaves his entire life, and it never once occurred to him that they were human, too. Yeah. Like, that's what made me so angry is he's talking... He's He almost talks with... Not a love, because I I don't I think it's impossible for that kind of person to love. But like he's so, I said that again. It's like he's just completely missing the point of what he's saying. Like he, it's some like it's just crazy to me at some point how you can't see someone else as human. I, I just that's well, yeah, I mean that's how I felt watching this whole movie is like the way they treat they're you know slaves or whatever it's like how do you not like what about that person you look at them and think they are less than human they are like not even human they're they're an animal or yeah. something like that like they talk to you they speak they're they're smart and, and it seemed like when they went to a big daddy's plantation he just had People following him around, like yeah, it was it was such a power complex. Like, it was a social status for wealthy whites at that time. Like, it was just you had this. I feel like that power gets to your head, and that even further ingrains the system in which you live in. Mm -hmm. It's dark, um, dude. When um, Candy said, he said, uh "Oh, how bad did the dogs?" Uh, terror up and Django pulled the hammer on his uh, gun back, yeah, just ready to absolutely spray people down. He's like, Oh, that's so hard! That's so hard. That's just a stone cold killer right there. 
Yeah. We thought Raymond last week, we thought he was stone cold. Nah. Nah, man. Django, Django is stone cold. Definition of stone cold. Uh, dude, pissed me off. Candy goes, now don't play on my soft heart when he's talking to D'Artagnan. Yeah. And then just immediately six the dogs on him. Like, that is so evil, dude. I mean, That's dude, so that goes twisted. back to... It goes back to Django being fucking stone cold as shit. He just sat there and watched that guy be torn apart by dogs. Yeah. Like didn't even blink because he had he knew, you know, he was he had a goal in mind. He had he he was a he's a man on a mission. He's no use to anybody if he's dead. And if he would have acted right then, he'd have been dead. But he he to a point avenges D'Artagnan's death. And then he goes, "Was he say, D'Artagnan, bitch?" When he <laughs> when he uh, busts up in the uh, the uh, the the uh, the little shed, the little shed. Yeah, I think that's what he said. Awesome, dude. Uh, I still love the line, the um, Django, you son of a bitch, and then uh, is silent hillbilly, and just kneecaps him. Or no, kills him. That was when he murdered him. Even I, I hate him more than Candy, dude. Yeah, dude, he was Candy's enforcer. He, yeah, like he I mean, was he, straight up. Like he, I think to a point, he was more evil than. I mean, Django even says that 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 kind of person is is the worst kind of person. And God, dude, like he's more evil than Candy. His yeah. He has so much power in that position. He's he's terrified of losing that power. I mean, the character of you know Candy. Obviously, he's he's a bad person, very clearly. But it's like he has this view of the fact that most black people are, you know, they're not smart. They're they're idiots, and they don't understand. Like they can't feel emotion. Like it's it's they're disregarded you know he could toss him away it's whatever but then you know there's a few of them like Django. where he's like oh well this is this is a smart one you're obviously yeah. more developed than the it rest does, of them it's so evil it's so sick and, and like twisted. like steven like he's like know your place your place is beneath me but yeah i don't hate you you're obviously smarter than the than the rest of them yeah dude it's just so sick and twisted dude like yeah and anyway, moving on. What was, dude? What was up with Candy's relationship with his sister? Bro, they were fucking. I, um, I think I'm so just gonna come well. out and say it. They were fucking. The whole dude. Do you think he? Where is my beautiful sister? Dude, do you think he, he never once he killed her husband? Probably, dude. He's, he's Candy, bro. Because he said she was a widower and. Something seemed to be going on there. I th- well, rich families in that time period, they yeah. were very close. Especially, we'll say. especially, <laughs> like, especially like that big of a family. Line. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. They like to, they like to keep the bloodline pure. Um, and I'm just saying, when he like kissed his sister after she was leaving the dining on area, the lips, dude. I was like, "Hey, partner. Um, maybe let's let's not let's 
steer away from that. But white people are nasty, bro. White people, white people, gross, man. <laughs> white people be like, <laughs> white people be like. Uh, I just want to insert that clip. The where's my beautiful sister? White people be like, <laughs> where is my beautiful sister? Dude. And I, I want to get back to this, um, dude. How did Leo change his voice? Like, we talked about this already, but. And what do they do to his teeth? Like his teeth were nasty. And I don't know if you noticed this earlier in the movie. I I think it was, it was, it was one of the, the slavers who was escorting Django. Uh, He had like white ass teeth. Like his teeth were perfect. And I was like, that didn't make any sense. But then the rest of the movie, everybody else had nasty teeth. I don't know if that was an editing mistake or whatnot, but I, I I do want to say, Quentin Tarantino. First of all, if you are offended, um, I'd probably like if you get offended by things. Uh, I'm not going to say e- easily offended because, you know, obviously this particular word is not something that you have to be easily offended to be offended by. But if you get offended by things and um, hearing a certain word, I would probably steer clear of this movie because there's yeah. a lot of white people saying. No, he- yeah, word. he got Tarantino actually came under fire for uh, a white director uh, writing the script, and then Sam Jackson and Jamie Fox came out and defended him and said he wanted he wanted to tell a historically accurate story. And well, did you hear um, the story of Leo on set with them where he was uncomfortable to say it? Yeah, he was like, "I'm not. I don't want to say this. I like yeah. if I have to quit. If I, I'll like." I'll burn my contract if I have to. I don't want to say it. And Samuel Jackson was like, motherfucker, we all want to go home. Like, <laughs> let's say it. This is a job. Yeah. No, I mean, like, they came out and said, like, he, want, he wanted to tell a historically accurate story. And I mean, it gives you, it, it provides it, the level of hate that yeah, you need it shows, to have it, these characters. It sh- yeah. It increases the hate. If, if you take, if you take that word out, it doesn't decrease the film, but it, it I feel like it, it would make word, you it would make you hate them less. Like I feel like it, it was would make invented to as as a hateful word. Yeah. Differ you know, slaves or African Americans from human. Like yeah. that's what it was meant to do. It's like we're not calling them people, we're not calling them, you know, black people, we're not calling them African American. We're gonna use this word because it's they're like a whole different species and hearing them use it so freely and commonly just makes you so much more angry at them. Yeah. Like it, it makes you hate all the white people in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Except for Schultz, except for Schultz. Schultz is, he's a good dude. I mean, he uses it too, but only when he's acting only when he has to, when he's playing a part. So, um, but, uh, you dude, know, the, uh, Leo's Leo's gashed hand. Oh, dude, I was literally just about to say that it incredible, dude, absolutely incredible. If you're Carrie Washington and you're, you're sitting there, up. I don't know how she didn't throw up. <laughs> That's the grossest shit ever. Me and my dad, we talked about it, man. Imagine her like going up after that scene being like hey listen that shit was cool but what the fuck 
There was nowhere in the script that you had to rub your real blood all over my hand. And if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a scene in the movie where Alvin Candy slams his hand down on a table. Leonardo DiCaprio does. And he slices his hand open for like real. Glass. Like Breaks he actually glass. He actually cut his hand open. He had to get stitches. And so he his keeps hand the is scene now, going. Yeah, doesn't stop. And his hand is now bleeding like horribly. And everybody's reactions, everybody's reactions to that are a hundred percent genuine. Yeah, they're just like because their reaction is, is this motherfucker still going? Yeah. Like, is he good? And, and like what a job by the other actors to stay in character. <laughs> yeah. And not like, be like, hey man, are you good? Yeah. I mean, I can imagine they know Leo's a very serious actor. I can I don't I can't tell you how pissed off I would be if I had sliced my hand open, continued the scene, and somebody interrupted the scene and was like, Hey man, are you okay? Like, are you kidding me? No. Just murdered my hand on this glass and you're gonna stop me? It makes that scene just a hundred times more powerful. Yeah. And, and dude. I would have thrown up if he was rubbing blood on my face. I don't know. Knowing, dude, what if he had like AIDS? <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean, herpes or something. Dude, I, I need to go and see what Kerry Washington said about that. Because I really, I'm, I'm interested in knowing. But um, I mean, I'm sure she said exactly what we were all thinking, which was. Brilliant scene. It was an incredible scene, but why'd you do that, man? It was gross. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, I guarantee you her reaction in the film was her genuine reaction of just, oh, uh, uh, what the fuck? Like, because she freaked out whenever he did it. So I love how after the dinner scene goes down, and a deal is made. Schultz, he has those flashbacks to D'Artagnan being ripped apart. And he just can't let him win. He can't let Candy win in that situation. Yeah. And then he whips out the French about uh, Alexander Dumas. And how he was a black French writer who wrote The Three Musketeers and just completely embarrasses Candy. And he had won at that point if Candy had let him leave. And it didn't happen. I mean, I, the, my, my only problem with that scene is that Schultz knew if he killed Candy in that moment, he was going to die and he he's smart enough to be like to walk away and then plan and come back and kill him but instead he just killed himself just then i mean that's basically what he did and also i'd love how before before he did say he says i don't plan on dying in wherever mississippi yeah, Chickasaw <laughs> County, Mississippi. And that's exactly where he died. Yeah. And, and then I love I love the silence before the shit hits the fan. 
Yeah. Like it's dead quiet. The first one to speak is Steven because he goes, Cal, no. Dude, that. Shut the fuck up, Steven. Man, dude. And then he just can't bring himself to shake hands. He he reveals that he still still had the, the wrist revolver on him. But I think Which, I think we need to go in depth on this action scene because I think it's a top ten action scene of all time. The uh, shootout afterwards. The shootout afterwards. Yeah. Oh, incredible! You know what? Probably my favorite part is uh, the audio. D- yeah, and it doesn't end there. That's <laughs> what's crazy. Yeah, like, but it's it's like a ten minute fight scene. Tarantino understands that, you know, if you've ever actually held a gun, every little movement you make doesn't cause the gun to go and make, you know, that noise, the metal clicking on a gun. Yeah. When you pull the hammer back, it'll go click, click and like make that little, but it's so much more satisfying to where every time you touch a gun, it makes a noise in like a metal, like kind of shifting type noise, and gunshots. Like if it sounds, if it's like, like it's no fun. The gunshots in this movie have weight to them. It's like a deep, like yeah, like when it hits something or someone, you're like, oh damn, that did some damage. I love how multiple dudes just get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> Dude, that guy who got his knee shot like 14 times. Just laying there crying. That also, the realism, I love it. Because in a lot of movies, you see someone get shot in the chest and they fall over dead. And it's like, hey, that's not how the world works. You can get shot in the chest and live for a good solid few minutes. Yeah, especially with that era of revolvers. Like those things were powerful. Him getting hit, like when people would get hit in the movie, they just scream in agonizing pain. Yeah. And it's, I'm not saying it's something that I'm like, yes, give me more of that. But it's, it's realistic. Like, dude, he got shot in the ball sack and the noise that he made was awful. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it, the noise he made made me feel it. Oh, 100%. <laughs> It's like, oh God, it's so bad. Hit him right in the in the right nut, just right there. Right nut. She nailed him. I mean, you can see it. Just nailed him in the right nut. So you had your hands on my dude, and I, I didn't remember how how the movie ended. I thought it ended right there, and then. And then it gets drawn out even more, and in a like good way. Like it, it was kind of like there's no Dang way to get out of the situation. You yeah. uppity son of a. <laughs> That's what I love is that Tarantino is like, hey, it may be a cliche, it may be old fashioned, but I love the the lines that can't be finished. You know, yeah. it's such a like spaghetti western, especially with Samuel L. Jackson, dude. Like just. <laughs> It's perfect. It fits like it, it, it. If if you put now that makes sense. It, it's a spaghetti western. It's a modern day spaghetti western, and that's yeah, what he, just that's what he wanted to make a cheesy. That's the thing. He made such a cheesy thing work. 
Yeah. Like that, that not being able, not finishing the line, son of a bitch is such a like old fashioned thing. Like, I feel like yeah. I would see it all the time. Like, watching old movies with my grandpa or something, it'd be like, you son of a... And then something would happen. Yeah. And the fact that he made it like, Django, you uppity son of a... And then the house just explodes. And then and then you get the most cliche, stereotypical ending to a classical Western as they ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Into the moonlight. <laughs> uh. Which, how, how much fucking dynamite did Chanko get i mean it was a whole house up they had several packs of dynamite like but like would it do that much damage the house was gone uh i don't know probably sure it would just blow a hole in the house it wouldn't just make it eviscerate which that thing those that kind of dynamite is meant for blowing up rock and so like a, a house built in that era, like a plantation house, I don't know how much of a chance it would have stood against dynamite, which he could have rigged it's the meant, entire it's house. For, it's meant for blowing holes in rock, yeah. not disintegrating the rock. Yeah. Which he could have. The house, it was nothing. There was nothing left. Dirt it was built on. Yeah. I mean, he could have rigged it throughout the whole house. He had plenty of time because, like, he got there when it, was, when it was like, late afternoon and then they're walking back at nighttime so he had like several hours to rig that shit yeah it's that's one of those things that you just kind of i'm looking too deep into um he's like it was a cool scene just to watch him put the sunglasses on and watch the house just get eviscerated cool dudes don't look at explosions yeah cool guys don't look at explosions so apparently Django's not as cool of a guy as we say because he's staring um, at it and then there's the reveal that Steven was faking his limp the entire time. Yeah, dude. He just drops the cane. I count six shots. Mm-hmm. And then I count two guns. The the beautiful callback of Django goes to get uh Brumhilda's papers from Schultz's body. And when early in the movie, Schultz said and to you, I don't say off either saying because that means until I see you again, to you I say goodbye. And then when Django touches Schultz's body, he says off either saying, which means till I see you again. So I thought that was pretty beautiful of a moment. What a great thing. Well, I mean, Schultz is the one who freed Django. You know, he Yeah. I know, you know, it's we're steering away from, you know, white guy saves the day, because that's not what this movie is about, but Nothing that Django has done would have been possible without Schultz. Like he he had a purpose in life, but uh, Schultz played a a big role in. Schultz gave him the opportunity. He gave him the opportunity to fill out his mission. So, um, I love how he puts on Calvin's clothes, dude. Yeah, what a baller Listen, move! The ultimate like, look, there's a there's a black man in your great. Calvin Candy's clothes. I love that. How you like my new duds? It's so clean, bro. It's awesome, dude. It's, it's so, so clean. Okay, did did Cora and the other girl escape? Because he didn't he didn't want to kill them, right? Because they weren't bad. No, did you did you not see the scene of them running down the like 
driveway. Oh, I, I, I guess, guess I missed that. I'm I'm a big dumb. Yeah, they were running. Um, they like because he said, uh, he said I suggest all these black folk get away from all these white folk, and then he said, "Say goodbye, Miss Laura." Dude, that that's so satisfying. <laughs> it's a great scene. Uh, will you tell Miss Laura goodbye? What? I said, tell Miss Laura goodbye. I miss Laura. Then <laughs> she blows her. away, dude. Yeah. Not not <laughs> just gets shot. She is blown to the other room. <laughs> and the angle doesn't work at all. It, it doesn't work. She shoots but... her from an angle and she goes directly backwards. They, I mean, they probably had some rope pulling her backward onto a, like a like an air mattress or something, but it it works for the movie, dude. It's so yeah. it's so great. And then he says, "Now y'all get out of here," and they leave. They run out the front, and okay. then it's just him and Stephen. Gotcha. And I don't know what happened to Stephen. Caps him twice. And blows his kneecaps out. I love that. The the um. He said you've seen all men of shit done to people. And he's like, but I noticed you never mentioned kneecapping. And just blows his knee off. It's like, I'm going to give you a limp. You know, you're faking the limp. Now you got a real limp. Now you got a real limp. All right. So we're at that point in the episode. What are the three things you liked and disliked about Django and Chand? Oh, man. This is tough because I love this movie so much. Um, number one is the uh, audio. And I don't mean like the music. I mean the tiny details. Like as Django flies out of the doorway, like onto his back, you know, and lands yeah. on uh, Andy's friend or whoever that was. Yeah. There's a subtle noise and it goes, <laughs> not so much farty. <laughs> it was more like bass, like, yeah. As he flies out and lands on his on uh the guy and just shoots the man like it's like tiny little added things like that just make the scene so much more cool it you makes know what it I mean? feel like a western yeah and they had they had those kind of sound effects like how the how the guns sound um everything like everything about the tiny little uh satisfying um bits of audio that Tarantino, I don't know if it was Tarantino, it might have, might have just been the sound guy, but whoever added him in. Um, there's that. And then uh, I love, honestly, we didn't really talk about it. I didn't really get into it, but I love the character of Steven because it's like it makes you hate who you feel like you're supposed to love. You know what I mean? For yeah, he's like, he's, a, he's. I feel like I hated Stephen more than I hated Candy. Yeah, he's a. I think he's supposed to be a polar opposite of Django. I believe you know. I, I I don't I believe that you know everybody's equal. Obviously, we're all human beings, but in this world, there is a separation of blacks and whites. So essentially. You have one side versus the other. And the fact that Stephen is going to look at all this stuff done to his own people. So like I said, I don't believe that it's their people and our people now. But back then it was their people. That was the system, yeah. 
a, there's white people, black people. And so it's like, you're going to watch this stuff done to your own people and still side with the people who are doing it to them. Yeah. Like, what, what's, what's wrong with like, you? So it makes you just hate him so much. It's well, like, yeah, how can it's you like, not see what's going on? It's like Django is the ultimate symbol of black empowerment and taking his life in his own hands. And then Steven is given the same opportunity to take his life in his own hands. And he just, he represents the very worst of what that system made you do, I guess. He's just the, he's, yeah. the, he's the epitome of, of the evils it of that tolerate system. It. He enjoys it. He, yeah, he almost enjoys that power. Everything over. would have gone just fine if Steven hadn't have tipped off Calvin. Yeah. So I love the character of Steven. I love how much I hate him. Yeah. Um, and of course, how Samuel Jackson portrayed that character and his acting. Yeah. It was incredible. It's terrifying. And then um, probably, I mean, I know this This is going to be kind of odd and um, out of the ordinary, but dude, the wardrobe. I yeah. loved the wardrobe. Wardrobe was top tier. I mean, like Django just looks so clean at the end, mm -hmm. like so fresh. And like, it feels like I'm, Watching something that people would be wearing during that time period, not people mimicking what they think you'd be wearing during that yeah. time, time period. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the three things that I like. The three things that I like, I would say the acting from all the leads to all the supporting cast is top notch. Like, just the quality of acting from yeah. Jamie Fox all the way down to the uh, Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the way down to uh, Australian Quentin Tarantino, but uh, all the way down to like the uh, to Candy's enforcers, like they they look and sound like bumbling Southern white dudes before the Civil War who weren't educated and. Like it was pretty incredible, and then yeah, uh, I love the storytelling. I love the story in general. It's just the ultimate revenge tale, and it's just so satisfying from beginning to end. Um, Such a cliche that you enjoy watching. Yeah, and then the the third thing I enjoyed, um, I guess, I guess the ending. The ending is. It wraps everything up in a nice little bow, and yeah, uh, there's no there's no stray ends. You can be hopeful about the character's future, and um, and yeah, so. All right. So the three things I didn't like. It see now this is hard because. Things that I normally wouldn't like are things that I feel like are acceptable in this movie because this is kind of a movie that I like. I I guess it's a, it's a movie that like I would just kind of blow it off and be like, well, it is that way because it is that way. 
know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if it were, it, it's like it's a serious movie that I don't take seriously, but also take seriously. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it you're, sounds like I had a stroke just then. But you're deeply invested in the characters. Like I, I, like the dynamite thing. Like, yeah, that doesn't. It may, and I'm not a explosives expert, but I don't feel like the dynamite in that one bag could have done that much to that house. Yeah. But also like, I don't care because it was satisfying to see the house and everything it stood for. Just like I said, eviscerated. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that there's not anything that I disliked only because the things that I would normally dislike in a movie, like the, Illogical things are accepted. I accept them for what they are, and I just kind of look at it as now, eh, whatever. But because it was cool, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm kind of with you. There, I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but I mean, no movie is. I don't think, at least, I haven't seen it yet, and um. I don't know. I guess the only thing would be it's there are unnecessary parts that aren't crucial to the overall story and if they, if they were cut out it wouldn't be any lesser or I guess it would be lesser of a film but it wouldn't if they weren't there you wouldn't you wouldn't notice um well, so I, guess, I mean it's like the the raid scene you don't need that but no. it was funny as hell <laughs> yeah satisfying as well um but yeah, I guess I guess just the the fluff. I guess I kind of dislike, but anyway, um, let's get let's get to themes. What do you think? What do you think the theme of this film was? Well, I gotta prepare. You put me on the spot a little bit again, so I'm gonna allow I, you to go first. I, I guess I should start. I kind of think about that kind of stuff, but. Um, if I had to give Django Unchained a theme, I would say it would be um, hope. Because after everything Django's been through and just after everything he's been through, he never loses hope that he's going to reunite with his wife. And even when shit hits the fan at the ending and they're ripped apart again. He still doesn't lose hope. After all these terrible things are done to him and Broomhilda. And I just guess the theme of this this film would be if if you have if you lose hope, then what's your purpose to keep going? So Yeah. I mean I'd say it's it's, it's the classic classic revenge. You know, because this movie is so simple in the sense that it's a classic. It's, it's just one of the old, like, hero wins, he gets his revenge. Because, yeah, but at the same time, he's not really, from the beginning of the film, he's not seeking revenge. Well, he is. He gets it early on. I don't know. I could agree with hope. 
Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard. That's probably that's okay. That's the thing I dislike. If we're going back to that, they like I feel like the ending happens four times. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I yeah, feel like there's, there's a resolution to the movie, like four times throughout the movie, where you're like, "Oh, yeah. great movie! Oh shit, we're, we're we're an hour in, and it's a two hour." Uh, let's see how long is yeah, this like, movie? Two hours two, and forty five minutes. Yeah. No, and then we're kind of rambling now, but I mean, I guess it's fine. Uh, like Ew. the the original the original purpose only gets you about twenty minutes in. Like when Schultz recruits Django to go kill the Brittle Brothers, that gets you twenty minutes into the movie, and then you still yeah. got you still got two hours and twenty five minutes left. Which I mean, is, the crazy thing is, it it seems like such a like action sequence kill people movie, but there is so much dialogue in this movie. Like, the there's dialogue. really only one major action scene. <laughs> that's it yeah i agree and you know but for some reason to me it seems like like when i hear django unchained i think oh it's it's a it's an action movie nope nope uh, nope so what what rating are you going to give this film on the dude critic scale Oh, dude. I mean, oh, dude, critic. This is, <laughs> this is, here's the thing. These ratings, I go off of how, how much I enjoyed the movie, not like the general goodness of the movie. Like it, a movie could be awful, but if I enjoyed it, then I'd give it a high rating. So my ratings go off of, how much I enjoyed the movie. Dude, I love this movie. This is a nine, like straight up. A first nine, I think. I can't wait yeah. till we get our first 10. We got to like pop some bottles or something at that point. Well, here's, here's the thing. I keep thinking to myself like, man, all my ratings are so high. And then I realize we're choosing good movies to watch. Yeah. Like, which we're, I think... we're not choosing bad movies. There's not going to be a whole lot of low ratings on here. Yeah. Um, I think I think I'm gonna give it a nine as well. We still haven't hit that ten mark. Ooh, an eighteen. An eighteen, which that Comes means that means our dude critics rating for Django Unchained is a nine. <laughs> this is our first oh. the first dude critics rating of a nine, which is pretty high praise. Come from two dudes who aren't who aren't geniuses so now we are we are professional movie watchers okay i practice all the time i watch many movies <laughs> but we've watched three so far dude i don't care like my <laughs> opinion is better because <laughs> i'm a dude critic bro you never heard of critics, me? Bro. <laughs> i have a certificate on my wall that says so yeah we have a podcast we, we know what we're talking about Oh, dude. Yeah, it's not free to make one of those, man. No, not at all. <laughs> but like one thing I want to get into before the before we finish up. I find it so funny. I believe I've told you this before. I find it so funny 
that it was like Quentin Tarantino didn't want to say the N word. So he just referred to Django as black. He said, what do you want? Black. <laughs> That's such a, it's the only time so a white odd. person doesn't use the N word. Yeah. It's it is when Jeng or when Quentin Tarantino calls him, calls him black. He's Australian. So he's like, <laughs> he's what do you want? Black. Which, Dude, you incredible about Australian accent by Tarantino. He he pulled that out of his ass. It's so funny. But here, when you we when I say in, or when you say incredible, I think of it as incredible, as in it's exactly how you think an Australian person would sound like. Yeah. Instead of like if you actually heard someone with an Australian accent, the way he does it is like exactly how you would think it would sound. Just like. An American accent um, to like a British person would be like this. You know, I think I'll use my credit card. Yeah. Like shit like that. Like that's an American's perception of an Australian accent. But I just, I thought that was so funny. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was our Dude Critics review of Django Unchained. Uh, yeah. If you liked the show, please give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, also, it would really help us out if y'all would smack a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or a follow on Spotify. That would really help us out. So uh, talk to y'all next week. We'll see y'all next week, baby.